Welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors DIY Podcast. This is your host, Brian Porter. This podcast is brought to you by the Pleasant Underground, which I don't know if it's a real venue anymore, but they are still, those guys are still booking shows and they're booking good shows. Um, and you should follow them on social media at Pleasant Underground. And you should definitely go see some shows they're booking next Wednesday or next Tuesday, September 21st. Um, there's a show with Kill Hours, Makari, Adventurer, and Coletta at the Sanctuary in Hamtramck. And then next Friday, or next Saturday, I'm sorry, September 25th, Gestalt from Colorado is playing at Armageddon Beach Party in Detroit with a little band called In a Daydream. And now with real humans permanently pissed i think yep they're on there burn mar-a-lago there's like 17 bands on that fucking show um not not really but there's a lot and it's gonna be a good time armageddon beach party in detroit follow the pleasant underground anyways i've been taking a break from putting out episodes and recording and all that shit because i've been very uh burnt out um you know, I've been doing this podcast for a long time and I needed a break and I realized I'm, there's no boss. I can do whatever I want. Um, you know, the podcast isn't going away. It's, you know, it's kind of like my key to connect, making connections for my own selfish endeavors in music, you know, like my band. Uh, so I'm definitely not getting rid of this podcast, um, because I'm terrified of, my ability to make connections without it. Um, so I'm going to keep doing it. And also, you know, I like supporting the scene, blah, 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 all that boring altruistic stuff. But I, I do like that side of it. But you can rest assured that I'm not going to get rid of this podcast because I need it personally. Um, and I think one of the, the good side effects of me needing it personally is I ended up doing a, a cool thing for the music scene. You know, I, I promote local bands or bands from all over the place who are local in their own right, wherever they're from you know, non-famous bands. Um, but then you sometimes come up with bands who are one step above not famous, which is DIY Twitter famous, and that's Stars Hollow. And I hope that's not an offensive, <laughs> I hope that's not like, you know what I mean? I mean, I think everybody gets what I'm saying here. It's like they, they have their clout, and, you know, I think Stars Hollow is a band that is further along than they started out and they have further to go and i think they have the talent to go further and i think they have the right um talking to their singer you know i just have the i get the sense that dude's got the right attitude around things he's very down to earth had a really good conversation um and i think i'm gonna let the episode speak for itself you know it was i'm sure there will be some new people here listening to the podcast because tars hollow was on and that's awesome um and if there's anyone out there who's never heard of Stars Hollow, but they've heard of this podcast, uh, I think that's unlikely, but welcome and check out Stars Hollow. They're sweet. Um, they have one of the best band names in DIY, bar none. Um, and we talk about where that came from in this episode. Um, but yeah, if, if, the, if you're new to this podcast, basically I'm a musician and I interview other musicians. Uh, that's that's the gist. There's no bullshit. There's no. I don't do any prep. I don't plan out questions. I don't. You know. I just try to have a genuine conversation with the artist so that you can get a sense for who are the people that make the art that you enjoy so much. Um, and if that sounds cool to you, you know, check us out. We are on the platform that you're listening to now, obviously, and then all the other ones too. Um, and we've had a lot of cool bands on in the past, you know, f scroll back through our episode list and, you know, I've, I've had like Prince Daddy and the Hyena, Dog Leg, um, you know, those two come to mind. Those are the ones I tell people a lot because they're the, probably the most, oh, you mean everyone we know has been on a couple times. Um, dude, I mean a lot. I've had to do from Hawthorne Heights. I've, that's just a weird thing to say out loud. Um, but I mean, I've done over 100 episodes, so you should just scroll back through. And a lot of the DIY darlings, too, like the Summit Shack homies have been on, um, you know, Origami Angel briefly. You just you just go back and check it out. There's been a lot of cool stuff. And follow us on Instagram at Invite the Neighbors Pod. Um, Twitter as well, because I post all the new episodes on Instagram so you know when they're coming out. 
Um, anyway, without further ado, here is the episode with Stars Hollow. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So, uh, I got some friends. I'll, I'll first of all, I'll tell you, I, uh, I listened to your band like today. Okay. Cause I usually do that. I'm, I'm like an old man. Like I, I don't, I don't like stay up enough with like the bands that people know in the DIY scene, even though like I host a DIY podcast, but like it makes it interesting for me to like listen to a band like right before they come on. And that's like the first time, I mean, I'm aware of like what bands are around. I just don't listen to them a lot of the times. And, uh, but my friends were excited about you. So that's cool. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. I hope. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. So I listened to the, the stuff that, um, that you put out recently, uh, a couple of the, well, a couple of the singles anyways, off mm-hmm. of, um, the, I think it's called, I just want to live my life. Yeah. And it's good, dude. I mean, I really Thank wanted you. to talk about, okay. Yeah. Cause like, I uh I should tell you a little bit about the podcast first. Like I'm a musician, I'm a guitar player, I'm the front person for my band um out here in Michigan. And so like this is podcast is basically just me like interviewing other musicians in the same scene that I occupy. You know what I mean? Trying to like figure out other people's experiences and like being a sort of deviation from like the stale sort of like, hey, I'm not a musician, so like I but I'm gonna interview you and not actually care about what you have to say, but I'm trying to get content. You know what I mean? That's yeah, annoying sure. to me. I-, I like having real conversations like musician to musician, kind of just like having a genuine sort of dialogue about what it's like, you know, being yeah. a being in a band and stuff. But I wanna hear about um your your setup like for recording that like the tone like the tone is good dude it's very clean it reminds me of like mathier like hotelier type of very clean compressed guitar sound Mm -hmm. and um just curious kind of like what you were going with on that yeah so um so between different like records and stuff and what i do live it's all like different um, so like live, I play through like a Fender supersonic twin with like a JHS morning glory. Um, and that's basically all I run along with a compressor. Um, but for that record, I think I played through, oh my gosh, was it a Bachner head? I think it was a Bachner head just like set pretty, pretty low as far as like gain and stuff. And I used that JHS also just like stacked on top of it. Um, and then we did some parts in through like a Kemper, uh, which had like a JCM 2000 preset. Um, oh, so nice. we did some guitar parts with that. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, I was speaking of, of live. I mean, do you do you ever like, well, first of all, I should say, like, I listened to it thinking like, this is probably fucking sweet live. Like, <laughs> it's because like the vocals, like the yelling and shit is like very passionate you know what i mean like i i could see that being um better live not that it's bad on the recording by any no, means I, I could see it you know what i'm saying i think yeah, it'd be yeah. better to see you guys live and um do you i mean is it a conscious thing like i different people have different sizes like me i'm like a huge pedal board guy like it's almost too much whereas you're talking about like just a compressor do you ever see yourself like getting into the effects game at all or do is that something you do intentionally so like, unintentionally yeah, so I kind of am like my pedal board isn't like anything crazy, but I have like a Strymon Blue Sky. I have like a Boss like RD20 or whatever it is, Looper pedal. I have like some delay stuff. I have, yeah, I like pedals and I like effects a lot, like in theory, but I would say the one thing that stops me is just like the price tag. Like sometimes it's hard yeah. for me to justify spending 200 bucks on something that I'm like, oh, this is really sick. I really want to. But then I'm like, well, live, I'm probably just going to be playing like not with that. So I don't know if I can right. you know, justify it. Um, but then I say that, but then I spend like thousands of dollars on Yu-Gi-Oh cards every year. So whatever. <laughs> it's literally there's no there's no true logic there as far as yeah. that goes. But yeah, I think I think it's partially just like um, that mindset. And then also just live sometimes just because i do vocals so much and so frequently during all of our songs um it's really hard for me to keep track of doing like anything with my pedal board and the times where i have like i just fucking mess up half the time because my brain's just not ready for it 
Yeah, you're speaking my language now. Like that's because like I that's my thing. Like I sing and play guitar, and I have like a big ass pedal board and a vocal pedal board too. So it's just like, oh shit, I don't know why I've gotten myself into this thing because like I use a bunch of vocal effects on my record, and like I wanted to like it's like a lot of doubling, like and a lot of reverb and a lot of like, and I I don't I don't want to not have it. So yeah. I'm like, all right, well I spent my uh my my Biden check on building a vocal board and i mean it's really cool though yeah no it's yeah i like don't think i've ever met anyone like there was a band in our local scene who used like a single vocal pedal that just had some little things but yeah no a whole board honestly could be really sick like i feel like for a band like us it's a little harder just because i'm just like yelling and stuff but yeah especially if you're like you know doing something that's atmospheric or anything that just like has a lot of texture to it like that's, yeah that's a really good idea honestly more bands should probably do that not gonna lie yeah yeah and uh, you know I, I hope they don't because i want it to be my thing <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair no, this is good it's good yeah no i don't actually care i mean i think if people if if people did that like especially if they saw me do it and wanted to do it i'd be like oh that's really cool like i would feel sure. it's like i've seen a couple podcasts pop up from my friends after i was doing this podcast for a while and i i didn't feel like oh, I'm the podcast guy. And I'm like, oh, that's really awesome. Let me help you out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's sure. kind of the more of the approach that I like to take. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. The pedals are, they're designed. They're like this company, uh, this branch of TC Electronic called TC Helicon. That's like what all their vocal okay. stuff is. And they're designed to be daisy chained. So it's not like, oh, yeah, it's not like you get a bunch of signal loss. Because like if you take, two different vocal pedals that are not designed to be daisy chained. Like I'm pretty sure you can get a significant loss of gain or loss of clarity. Whereas these are like meant to, there's four of them and they are meant to go side by side. And then, and it's actually nice because it's got a little gain knob on it. So like if the sound guy's not giving you what you want, you can kind of sneakily just (laughs) bend down and like crank it up a little bit. That's a really good workaround, honestly. Yeah, (laughs) dude. Yeah, it's like you're fucking trying to give the guy thumbs up and he's just not paying attention. Like, (laughs) nope, nope, I'll just crank myself on here and call it a day. Yeah. And they don't even know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They, because who would, yeah, no sound guy is like, oh, that dude has a vocal effects board. Like, they would never know. Like, no one's ever thinking about that. So, right. That's smart. Right. But yeah, so I want to get into a lot of that. First of all, I'm ADHD, dude. Full disclosure, I'm all over the place. Uh, Totally chill. Yeah, but I just, you know, I keep thinking of different things and that's how the podcast kind of works. Um, I don't have any plans going into this. I do have some questions from um, from uh, listeners that I'll get into with you later on. Um, but yeah, so the name Stars Hollow, I think it's fucking awesome, first of all. And I was, and I don't say that to bands that I don't like their band. I don't pretend to like, because I think a lot of band names make no sense and they're dumb. But I think (laughs) like Green Day, that's a shitty name. But I like, you know, I I like the band, but uh, what does it mean? But I looked up Stars Hollow like 20 minutes ago and it's, uh, so I'm I'm assuming you got it from the Gilmore Girls. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. Absolutely. Okay. What? What kind of inspired that? I've never seen the Gilmore Girls. I was just reading about Washington Depot, Connecticut, which is like the town that Stars Hollow, the fictional town, is is oh. is like modeled after. Yeah, yeah. and I'm just kind of curious to hear, you know, what what your guys is what drew you to that? Yeah, so the band started like in 2015 when I was in college, um, and at the time we had just kind of like started the band. We didn't have a name for it yet. And all of the names that we were kind of coming up with were like just really shitty, like not all shitty, because like our bassist came up with the idea of like Joy Addict and he ended up naming a different band that, which is great because I did Mm. not like that name for Stars Hollow (laughs) um, at all. Um, But yeah, I was just watching Gilmore Girls like a shit ton. And there's just something about like this sounds like really dumb, probably, but about the vibe of what Stars Hollow is in that show and like Mm -hmm. kind of. Yeah, just the general vibe of it. Um, I just kind of like that. And I felt like it kind of made sense with a, you know, small Iowa town Midwest emo band. You know, it just kind of like, yeah, made sense to me. Um, And the name just sounds cool. Like, it's just a cool sounding name. It um, really. Yeah. It it made me think of like, I'm a Harry Potter nerd. I was thinking of like Godric's Hollow. 
Whereas like yeah. at, <laughs> at first I was like, wait a minute, hollow I was thinking of like a hollow star, and I'm like, well, that doesn't make much sense to me. But then I was like, oh, hollow as in a place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. really cool. That's really cool. We've got we've gotten that a lot, actually. Someone like after a show one time, someone literally was like, What's your name mean? Stars aren't hollow. And I was like, uh, it's a town. Like, I don't <laughs> like I don't know what Dude, to tell you. I mean, do you think Hoobastank got that question? Like, probably, actually. Probably, probably. actually. I think Hoobastank deserved a lot of questions about that. <laughs> Dude, they were my they were the first band I ever saw live. And oh, that's really? a fun fact. Yeah, I saw... Say. My parents took me to see at the Palace of Auburn Hills in, in Michigan. Like, they took me to see uh, Velvet Revolver. <laughs> with oh, shit. Oh, with Hoobastank. And it was fucking rad, dude. I'm not going to lie. Like, that's sick. Yeah, that band gets a lot of hate. I, dude, I was obsessed. Like when I first started playing guitar in like seventh grade, I was just obsessed with like Guns and Roses, and uh, mm-hmm. and then Velvet Revolver came out, and I was just like trying to play that one song. Like they had Slither. That's how I discovered Drop D tuning. Oh, yep. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that was that band was actually really sick. I kind of forgot. Yeah, that they were a thing. But I remember like seeing commercials on TV of like Slash, like fucking pushing a car or something and just like they were giving a guitar away with the car or something like that was those were good times those were simpler times yeah yeah and i I would call my dad at like during summer vacation i was literally in probably like eighth grade and i would call him at work and just be like check this out and i would play the riff like do 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 and it was like so shitty and he's like cool Sick dude. Okay. <laughs> Go water the plants. <laughs> you know that's it's good though. You know it's sick. Yeah. And honestly, that that makes sense because that riff is very ear catching. But like, oh yeah, it's it's learnable if you're not like super you know experienced with guitar. You know, it's just like yeah, sounds cool. So yeah, and you know it was weird like because I you know I've been writing music since like I don't know probably like ninth grade. You know, I'm not saying it's all been awesome, but you know, that's when I started doing shit and it it kind of got me into this habit of writing drop D music that was emo and Mm -hmm. it wasn't like metal, you know, but like I I loved bands like under oath and I loved like every time I die, things like that. So I just would naturally go into drop D tuning to learn their songs, but then I would just leave it in that and then I would write my own shit and then it was still in drop B. So it was like, Kind of got me into like a, a a cool, interesting songwriting uh, territory. If anyone has ever listened to any of my old stuff on SoundCloud, <laughs> one thank you. I don't know what you're doing there. I don't know how you found it, but uh, yeah, that's why it's in Drop D probably because of Level Revolver. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, that's you know, mine was probably always in Drop D because of like fucking from first to last or something. So you know, dude, we've all, yeah, we've all got our reasons. So yeah. Yeah, I felt personally betrayed by Skrillex by the uh, by the yeah. That was that was hard for me. That was really hard for me. (laughs) I remember being so excited at first because I was like, "Oh fuck yeah, Sonny Moore, he's doing something, whatever." And then I listened to like Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites or whatever, and the only vocals of his are at the very end of the song, and then half of it's like only like sampled vocals. And yeah. then I was like, where the fuck is everything? <laughs> like, I, but right. then, you know, obviously it's like, okay, well, I just have to accept that that's not what this is. And then he won like a fucking Grammy. So what do I know? You know? Right. Right. Well, yeah, I, uh, I refuse to acknowledge the uh, significance of a Grammy as in terms of, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm not saying that you're doing this, but like in terms of a Grammy, like signifying quality, I think we all understand that, especially us yeah. who will never win a Grammy because of the type of music we make. So yep, that makes sense to be bitter, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. No, I think that's fair. That's totally fair, especially. Yeah, because I feel like there's always pressure when the Grammys come around, like, you know, kind of who's going to win it. And there's pressure around like this person is set to win it. And so they're probably going to win it, you know? Yeah. There was some there was some controversy this year and I I don't know how much it's actually controversy but I think it, it was like Cardi B or Nicki Minaj or something like that like don't ask me to be specific cuz I don't really know but like they were complaining because they weren't nominated for a Grammy or something and I'm just like it's a Grammy though like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. like it, it's all bullshit millions yeah they're getting millions of plays on the radio and on Spotify and on everything like they go yeah. to tours and they're like sold out so who fucking cares <laughs> like if you want a Grammy like that yeah that makes me think that like maybe there's something uh, you know 
there's something more really powerful in music or in any other thing where like the success is is not once you have the money and like once you have like a certain level of success like i feel like i don't know if it's ego or what but like you have to keep having all the things like you know what i mean like the social capital of having this award is almost more meaningful than the the money and like the having the life i don't know it's just like never being satisfied and that makes me like almost glad that the type of music you and i play you know not to like diminish it but like it's never gonna be on that level i never you know I kind of like that though. I kind of like that it's more of a down to earth, you know, like you and I could get incredibly quote unquote DIY famous or whatever mm-hmm. and still be unrecognizable in oh, everyday yeah. life. Yeah. Like if you, I think about that a lot actually when like people on DIY like might like annoy me on the internet or something. And then I just yeah. kind of remember like if I go into any room anywhere and I say, Hey, do you know this band? They probably don't, you know, it's like that's the <laughs> right. reality of it. And it's like, that's, that's what I tell myself to cool down. I'm like, it's just DIY. It's not a big deal. No one cares about any of us. So it's like, yeah, it's no, I, I, almost. yeah. And I, I am purposefully like very, I don't go on Twitter, especially, you know, the DIY Twitter, or whatever. I think, you know, I'm not going to call anyone out personally. And you know, it's funny whenever I criticize general twitter behavior and someone always hits me up and goes like are you talking about me i'm like (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't fits you know yeah exactly and and it's just like hey you know a lot of it is just like oh hey you know like this band leaked this record to me it's like hey cool dude who cares nobody cares at all and it's like i don't have anything personal against these people but it's just like they become like twitter sucks them in and that's what and that's just what people do on twitter they just it's all this humble bragging and clout chasing and i'm just like go make a record go do something (laughs) of significance of importance like i don't know i'm not i'm not trying to be a bitter old man you know but like it's just i mean i agree like 100 it's very much like especially for people that aren't like active musicians in the scene where it's more so like they're just like bystanders and interact and, you know, like the music. I feel like that's like very much a social capital thing all the time where it's like, Oh, this band leaked this to me and that makes me cooler. Ha ha. Look at me, you know? Um, Whereas like, yeah, fucking who cares? Just wait for it to come out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like in, in real life, what is that? That means nothing. You just like that just tickles that just tickles your jimmies on the inside. Yep. Like that's all it is. Yeah. Go tell your dad that it happened and he'll be like, <laughs> get away from me. I don't know. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. That. Yeah. They're like, who's that band? Like, what? And, and that's what anyone would Yeah. But honestly, that's why, you know, that's why I started this podcast in, in a roundabout way, is because like I felt like the online presence of of uh of DIY bands was not very authentic or the way they were presenting themselves or being presented by others was not really in line with like, I didn't feel like I was getting to know who they were as people at all. I just felt like I was seeing what memes they thought where they were funny or just hearing people brag about them. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I want to do this because like I'm a musician, like I started this around the time that I started recording my own record thinking that like all right well i don't want to put my record out into a world where i don't feel like there's something like this podcast that that exists to like have people on and talk about things in terms of like what it actually means to them you know like i I felt people would put out records and then you would get like this obligatory like two paragraph thing on instagram you know just kind of saying what every band says when they put something out and, and I'll obviously do that too. Like, that's just what you do. I get that part. Yeah. But like beyond that, it's like, what, what does it mean? Like, what did you do to record? Like there's this taboo around self-promotion that I don't understand, but like, I'm like, I'll just make a podcast and I'll invite all these people on because artists like talking about themselves. I want to talk about myself. Yeah. So I know that they do. So absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I love, <laughs> you know, kind of shit, honestly, like, like podcasts are like, 
Yeah, one of my favorite things to do as far as promotion, because, yeah, I just get to fucking talk about my own bullshit for a little bit, which I never do <laughs> yeah. otherwise. So it's nice to have yeah. a little bit of a platform for it every so often. Yeah. Yeah, no, then that's that's the goal. So, like, I do want to, on that note, wow, this is one of the smoother transitions I've ever had, by the way. But um, on that note, I'm going to move into talking about your record. Wow, fucking unplanned, dude. That was good. Unplanned. That was good. Yeah, that was, really, that was really good. And then I ruined it by talking about it, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, so this, the um, I just want to live my life. You know, it, it, it came out during, like, the end of the quarantine-ish time period the album art is like some dude sitting in a windowsill kind of looking outside. I think we all kind of feel that. And when I want to know, like when, um, when did you kind of start writing that? Was it always, did you plan on having it sort of, you know, kind of blend in with like the time period that we were having, or was that something that kind of worked out that way? So that was entirely unintentional. And I had like a lot of, like inner strife about that album art before it came out because I didn't want people to think it was like a pandemic concept record yeah. or something or like think that that's exactly what it was. Um, and that's the thing. It totally like, like after the pandemic happened and I, we had the album art, I looked at it and I was like, Oh my God, people are going to think that this is about the pandemic. And I started freaking out, but then, yeah, I just thought about it some more and I was kind of like, you know what, like it's conveying what I want it to. And when you listen to the record, if you like listen to it a few times and kind of like figure out what the lyrics are kind of like getting to, you know, it makes more sense. Um, but yeah, it was just unfortunate timing, realistically, in terms of the pandemic. But but it's chill. I mean, if it makes more people relate, that's totally fine. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting, because that was kind of like one of the questions that I was I was wondering, like, oh, I wonder, like, what is what is it like? How do you avoid feeling like you know if it was a pandemic themed record which i didn't think it was i just didn't get the vibe that you guys would do that specifically yeah um but if it was like how did you how do you avoid like blending in with the the mask because i've said on this podcast like i don't want to hear the pandemic concept mm -hmm. album I, yeah i i just no live i don't think anyone does. <laughs> yeah we yeah all, we all were there like just just don't even yeah, no, I, I agree 100% because like that's the thing It's I just spent like a year of my life dealing with this bullshit. I don't need to hear some other like group of white dudes being like, oh, I couldn't go to Dave and Buster's and like that <laughs> specifically like that's Yeah, I just don't need to hear that. And that's um, that's kind of why I was so worried about it coming across that way. Um, but that's just art. You know, once you put it out, like yeah. people are going to think what they think and like it, you know doesn't really matter anymore at that point yeah no i mean i this is for uh anyone playing invite the neighbors bingo with the things that i always say on this podcast i you only own really 50 percent of what you make the other half belongs to the consumer and they get to do with it what they want and we as artists get to, god it sounds always sounds so pretentious to say that but like we as artists you know we as artists like we have to cope with this fact that you want to control everything. I don't know. And maybe I'm speaking, oh, yeah. I know I'm not speaking for just myself, but you want to control people's perception of it 100%. in an impossible way, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. And, That's, I, and yeah, I struggle <laughs> with that a lot. Like I literally will just like, after we put music out, I'm like, okay, this is, this is what it is in my brain. So it, this is what it has to be in everyone else's brain. Cause like, I don't want to be misconstrued. I don't want anyone to think that like, I mean this thing when I mean this thing. And so it's yeah. really stressful first putting out music whenever we do it. And, but yeah, at a certain point, just like you said, it's 50% the artist, 50% whoever's listening, it becomes theirs. So that's how it yeah. goes. And honestly, the bigger you get, I think the smaller percentage that you even get to hold on to, Oh yeah, you know, 100%. Like if you're just huge, like, you know, millions of monthly listens or whatever, like, I mean, at that point, like you're much smaller, you're, you, you're way less significant. What you mean is almost irrelevant yeah, at that exactly. point, you know, That's I mean, and you luckily, like we exist in a space where like, you know, the people who really, there's not so many people that like, like either one of our bands to where like, you'll put out a podcast like this or something and, you know. A good amount of people will hear it. Like, you may be like a good percentage of like your like hardcore listeners will actually listen because they want to hear what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of clarifies things, 
for them, you know, whereas if you were huge, you'd almost just have to completely let go. And I think, especially to like putting out emotionally vulnerable things, it can be even more um, tempting to want to feel like you want to control it. Um, because then it's now you're talking about your feelings. Now you're talking about like really exposing who you are to people and not wanting that to be misconstrued versus just like, um, just like empty pop music that doesn't, that sounds cool, but doesn't really mean anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But on that note, what, what, what was some of the, so it's not a pandemic record. Like kind of what is, does it have a concept? Like curious, just like kind of what was, was it, was a theme or like, what are some of the concepts behind it? Yeah. So, um, so, we put out an EP happy again, where like all the songs kind of like formed like a whole phrase. And that was kind of like the concept. Um, and so I really like doing stuff like that, where you kind of like put things together into statements or like song titles flow together or whatever. Um, so one, one thing going into this record, I knew I wanted to do was um, have the first track be called, I want to live my life. And then every other track kind of completes that sentence with like a way that you want to live my life. Like I want to live my ah. life to you. I want to live my life until I bleed out. I want to live my life, but better like that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, so That's that was cool. like one kind of thing. And then um, kind of the through line concept of the record is the first song, the middle song, which is like an ellipses. And then the last song, but better are all kind of part of one piece. Um, hmm. So, so what you're seeing basically on the album art is essentially what's playing out in those three songs. Um, and then like, yeah, everything in between is just kind of like filling out that space of like why, you know, I feel the way I do in songs one, five and 10. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I definitely approach things very heavily with a concept in mind. Um, and I feel like that covers pretty much all of the concept of this record. It's, but I try to stick with that with everything I write for the most part, but we'll see in the future. That's pretty awesome because I, I can appreciate that. That's how I, uh, I mean, not, not with the song titles. I've never done anything like that. I think that's pretty rad. Um, but I, I'm naturally, my mind is oriented towards having concepts for things. Mm -hmm. And I'm more the type to where like the record, I, made and putting out later this year like it the concept sort of arised after the fact like i made it and then i kind of just sat with the songs for a while read through the lyrics and i was just trying to figure out like what does this mean you know i kind of just put it all out got it all out of me and then just kind of looked and i've talked about this a lot on the podcast too just like kind of letting the concept come to you and figuring out what it is did you have the concept in mind going into the writing process or was this something that you kind of pulled out once the writing was done? So definitely beforehand, because um, the first one of the first things I wrote that wasn't really a whole song for the record was um, the intro, which is the little music box thing. Um, I wrote just like that guitar part um, melody and then wrote the words for it. And I just really liked the kind of like vibe and feeling that it was giving off. Um, and so I kind of at that point decided, hey, I kind of want to like expand on this and like, you know, go through the steps of like being like, I don't know what to do with my life. I want to just, you know, be safe. And then kind of in the middle being like, well, like, I don't know if I'm meant to just like wait for things to happen in life. And then at the end kind of hitting that, like, you know, I need to live my life. I need to do the things to make it better myself. Um, so yeah, definitely beforehand, if I were to try to do a concept, like after writing things, I probably would have had a panic attack because my brain just like, cannot yeah. <laughs> cannot handle those kind of thought processes, but, but it's totally valid. Yeah. It works for you. So, yeah, no, it's interesting to hear because like, I've had a lot of people on both sides of it, you know, tell me that the way I do it is how they do it. And then the way you do it is how they do it, you know? And it's always, it's always different. I mean, you can extrapolate that to so many different parts of the creative process like whether it's writing lyrics before the guitar or like or vice versa you know i'm i'm the type where i write the guitar first and then then i make a melody and then i write the lyrics and but you know some people have the lyrics first and they write guitar around it which i can't comprehend you know like i'm like how do you do that yeah no i can't yeah. do that but my biggest thing is because i typically write guitar first um 
it's like I need a framework to write words mm-hmm. to and melodies to because otherwise it's just like there's too many options. Like I just like feel like it's easier to to work within the framework of the guitar than to do the opposite. But I mean, that's I guess I haven't really tried for a long time to do it that way. But I feel like that would still just be way too hard for the way my especially with what you do because you guys are a lot of riffs, you know, where that allows you to like. I mean, that's one of the big reasons that I do guitar first is because like if I I don't throw in as many riffs as you guys do, but I don't want to not I want to not sing while I'm doing that. Like you, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like some bands will straight up like my buddy Ian's got a band called uh, Easy Beach. And like I saw them, I saw him. We played a show together this past weekend and like he was doing some shit live where he was like tapping and singing. I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> why how do you do that too much yeah focus. yep i that's that's kind of how i write like there's there's definitely parts in all of our songs where i am playing something a little more difficult and singing but for the most part i do try to avoid like doing crazy riffs and vocals at the same time and that's yeah. actually me just being a weenie and not wanting to, like, <laughs> fuck up yeah. in front of people and then also just like because I want the guitar to kind of like shine in itself yeah. times and be as much of a melody driver as vocals are, you know, but yeah, like, a weenie. yeah, no, I mean, I think it's my, my self-serving rationalization for that is like what you're kind of saying, like you're letting the individual parts shine. Like even when I'm arranging the other instruments for my band, when we play, I, I, I I'm always thinking about like, all right, well, what is this guitar doing? So I'll tell the other guitarist or the keyboard, like, all right, well, consider the fact that this instrument is doing a melody here or the vocals carrying a melody here. We don't need another one necessarily. So do something like this. You know, I'm always trying to think about like how are the layers working together? Whereas I think a a common mistake or not necessarily a mistake, but just a common thing that like newer bands haven't learned yet or newer musicians is like, everyone in the band is just thinking about their own instrument and they're just thinking, what's the coolest thing I could do in key right now? And Mm -hmm. it it could be sweet, but it's cacophonous when in context of the whole group, it's just like, why the fuck are you playing a solo (laughs) during this verse? You know, that's that's so true, especially because like when this band first started, that's kind of how it was. Like I would write guitar parts and I'd write a bunch of stuff that was like all over the place. Cause I wanted to be like, Oh, I'm good at guitar. And then our bass, yeah. <laughs> kind of the same thing. Our bassist like was like, I want to show everyone I'm really good at bass. So I'm going to write all these crazy parts. <laughs> and then and you're the drummer. fall of Troy. <laughs> yeah, Literally, literally that's kind of like, we used to get compared to the fall of Troy a lot back then. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think that's partially why, but, but yeah, no, I'm totally, yeah, I definitely think with age and songwriting experience, it does change a lot to realize, you know, you have to know where things fit and the best way to complement it rather than just being like, oh, look at me, I can fucking shred and so can he and so can he, you know, it's like, yeah, it doesn't really say much. At that point, so, yeah, I think it's like, it's definitely in terms of songwriting, it's as important a skill as any to just to do what we're just talking about like i'm not even that great of it i'm not a virtuoso on guitar but like the band people like our band i think because of the arrangements because it's like it's interesting like it's the the chords are interesting and like the 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 riffs when we do bring them in it's just like you could almost be like two and a half minutes into a song. You're not really expecting a, like a, a riff or like a solo, but then it hits you and you're like, Oh, that's fucking cool. Like, that's not what I expected. You know, that type of shit is way more fun to me than like, you know, just shredding the entire time, which I think yeah, you guys strike a good balance with that. Um, cause I, w- I wouldn't say you're a math rock band, you know, but you have like some twinkly shit in there that is like definitely reminiscent of a, a genre without, fully tying yourself down to it you know what i mean yeah so i thought that was cool that's that's, yeah because i used to be into math rock quite a bit and when the band first started we would try to write stuff in weird time signatures but i was like dude i don't want to fucking force it all the time i don't want to be like how can i make this feel weird um so i think that that definitely what stuck with like me liking math rock a lot was just like like the energy and like attitude of it, I guess like, mm-hmm. like it just, we, cause yeah, we, I think we sound like a lot of math rock bands. If those bands weren't math rock, if they were just like yeah. playing in four, four playing in six, eight doing weird time signatures, like maybe once in a while. Um, yeah. yeah, I, 
yeah, I just don't have the patience to sit around and be like, okay, how can I write this in seven, four and, you know, go from there. Like it's yeah. too much. Yeah. I think like the furthest I've even ventured into that is like a guitar, having one song where the guitar is in three, four and the drums are in four, four or something like that to oh, where yeah. like, it's like, okay, the, the, the audience doesn't even fucking know <laughs> most of them, no <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like, they don't give a shit. It feels like everything feels like four, four to them. Three, four feels like, you know, it's either swing or it's four, four. That's, yep. that's what most people are listening exactly. for. There's like one dude in the audience with a PBR in hand who knows what's <laughs> yeah. going on, but yeah. everyone else, no idea. It's just he's like, he's got his girlfriend. He's like, Oh, check it out. Every, every fourth bar, the drums and the guitar line up. It's fucking sweet. <laughs> She's like, Okay. Like, <laughs> you know? yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's exactly true. Um. Oh, I want to ask you about your music video. Uh, because it looks aesthetically pleasing. You know, it's like you know, there's a skating rink. That was you guys, right? I'm not fucking yeah, making that yep, up that's, in my head. That's accurate. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So what is that like? Is that local for you guys? Did you like? Uh, I just tell me about it. I guess tell me about yeah. like the concept and stuff. Yeah. So so that was the first music video we did, and we were kind of like. Like, okay, we want to do something that's not like super, super crazy or super like hard to do. We wanted to keep in mind like the budget and like, because the budget we were trying to go for was like zero dollars. So we were like, we got to figure out how to do this. Um, but yeah, as far as the video goes, it basically we just had access to this skating rink that's in the like the south part of Des Moines, which is where we're from. Um, and our drummer does like roller hockey there essentially is like how he had the connection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he was just like, yeah, we can, the dude said that we can do it. So whatever. And we were like, okay, what's the plan? And then we were like, well, we are a sad band that sounds happy a lot of the time. So why not do like a birthday party where nobody shows up really, you know? Uh, <laughs> so we were just like, let's kind of like embody that a bit. And and yeah, so we went with it. And honestly, I was really happy with how it turned out because like the skating rink has like the fucking lights and the disco ball and shit. So that performance part was like really, really cool. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so that you basically had like a ready-made like stage like sound. Yep. You know I mean? Like the, the lighting and everything. It was just like, boom, there. Like that. Yeah, I was yeah. curious. That was what I was thinking the whole time because like now that I'm in a band like and I'm like, literally planning out two music videos it's hard for me to enjoy a music video now without thinking like how did they get here like i wonder like yeah. how they got this set up or like i wonder what went into this and that i guess that kind of ruins a lot of things for me and i think yeah. a lot of people can probably relate like when you listen to a record you're like you're listening to like oh i wonder how they got that vocal sound i wonder how they got the guitar sound and it's like it takes like three or four listens to just enjoy the music Exactly. Yeah. I was just talking to a friend about this the other day. Yeah. Cause like when you've done all this stuff, especially so intensely and so like in a way that's so personal with your own music, like you become so analytical just about like everything like you. Yeah. You just are curious in every way. Like, Oh, what are, what's the bass doing here? Oh, like how did they get this shot? Like, yeah, it's definitely hard not to be analytical about that kind of yeah. stuff. What about, um, I mean, have, do you guys have anything coming up? Like, have you played any shows yet? Or do you have anything in the in the works? Or Not really. Um, so for one, like, I just... The whole show thing, as far as, like, touring around and stuff, is super hard because, like, on one hand, there are a lot of places opening up and there's a lot of people who are like, cool, let's do shows. Or there's, like, outdoor yeah. locations or whatever. Um, but then, you know, like, you'll look on online the next day and suddenly like the WHO is like, Nope, everyone needs to wear masks. We still need to be careful about this stuff. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think that we've been extremely cautious and we honestly haven't really planned anything until like we know that everything is good to go. Um, yeah. And like it, and plus we all have like full-time jobs. We all have stuff going on. I am going to grad school soon. So it's kind of like, it makes more sense right now to just focus on those things that like, you know, are sure things and that make sense and to just kind of hold off on touring and stuff until we see it as more of a viable, safe option. Yeah, I hear you. Like my, my friend, it's because it's weird. It's kind of like a place by place thing. So like I could see going on tour to like, because you don't, you could literally 
drive two hours away. I don't know how close state lines are for you guys, but like, mm-hmm. for, you know, just for an example, like you could play if Des Moines was open, you could play a show in Des Moines, but then you go into the next. I don't know where the fuck the next state is. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is. Omaha, yeah. Somewhere there. What if it's different there? You know, and then you're like, all right, well, now I, I got to skip this town. It, it's smarter to do that. Um, but I would I would be remiss if I didn't tell you, like, if when you do decide to tour again to let me know because like my friends started uh like the sh- the place i just played this past weekend like my friends started like because a lot of the diy venues in michigan kind of closed down and sure, i think this is like a, a a thing that just happens over, to a lot of places in the pandemic but they opened this place in like in the detroit area where like they have like it's crazy they have like professional like stage lighting and like sound in their basement and they like built a a riser and it's so fucking cool like and yeah and it was just i was like holy shit i like they dropped the house lights and we like for us to play and one it's weird to say house lights in a basement but that's what it felt like Mm -hmm. because it was just like literally black and then there was like one light on the stage i was like am i famous dude or am i in a basement (laughs) you know absolutely but it was but it was cool. And I'm, and I, you know, they definitely, I talked to those guys about like, I was going to interview you and they're like, oh, we want to fucking have them out there. So, like, definitely when you w- do want to come to Michigan, you got a place to play, basically. Uh, because, yeah, and it's, 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 it's a spot too. Like, it, that place was like, it's the, like the new thing around here. Like, those, those, these guys are serious about like rebuilding the scene around like this communal art space and they just happen to have it in their basement. But oh yeah. It's that, it's just cool Detroit, to see that. Yeah. Well it technically Ferndale, but it's mm-hmm. for people out from out of town if you it's a Detroit twenty minutes, fifteen minutes from Detroit. Yeah. Gotcha. That sounds like um, yeah, we've we've never been able to play Detroit because we always end up like we'll go to like Grand Rapids and then we'll like yeah. go south or something. You know, we've never been able to hit Detroit. So that would actually be pretty sick. Yeah, no, yeah, we could basically snap the fingers and you're there, like you got it. So just let, yeah, like I said, let me know. And I think it's it's good. That's another reason I just wanted to start this podcast because, like, I love. I mean, selfishly for my own band, like when we start to book tours, I can just look back at my episode list and be like, oh, we're going to uh, let's say like Minneapolis. Who have I interviewed there? And then oh yeah, hit them up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Absolutely. And I like making those connections with bands because I've, I mean, I've played with a lot of bands that I've interviewed and that's fucking cool. Like that's like a cool, like full circle moment. It's like, Hey, we talked and now we're doing the <laughs> thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's fun. I love doing that. Um, especially when the bands are good. It's just like, it's a, you ever get the feeling where like, you're just like hanging out with a band or something like you're just friends and it's, it's almost like your coworkers or something. And then you play a show together and you're like, huh, I forgot. Like, Everyone's talented too. Yeah. Like this is cool. Yep, that's super accurate. Because like, like we're um, I don't know if you know the band Nice. We're like relatively good friends with them. And yeah, like, we interviewed them too. Oh hell yeah! Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, Sage has drummed for us like on tours and stuff, and like we've toured with them once. But like I've just hung out with Roddy like at shows a lot, and like just seen them as people like casually. And I remember when we went on tour. Um, like the first like couple of nights I was just like, holy shit, I forgot that they're like all really good <laughs> at what they do and like are a really solid band. Cause yeah, I get so used to just like talking to Roddy and having him say some like off the wall shit that I think is really funny, but then yeah, yeah just an insanely talented band. So I totally get that. It, it's, it's just interesting too, because like I keep bringing this back to the podcast, but I'm just so interested in people's personalities because a lot of times, like you said, like you'll meet someone and they're really funny and then you see them play and it's just like, how does it add up that this person who's just like such a goofball? And I think I'm kind of like this too, like so silly and just like having a good time. And then you see them like go into like musician mode and then all of a sudden it's just like this polished, like serious thing mm-hmm. that like you can tell they work very hard and it, it like it's hard to compute it. Like it's hard to like reconcile like the personality with the onstage personality. Yeah. And I think that's, I just think that's really interesting to be honest. You don't see that in a lot of different professions, quote unquote. Oh yeah. Not at all. Like that's my mom. Actually my mom brings that up a lot. And now my coworkers do too. 
So like at my cubicle at work, I have like a section where I just have photos from tours and stuff and some tour flyers and stuff just to like get me through my day to day. Yeah. And so like I'll have someone come by and like if it's an older person, especially they'll look and be like, is that you? And I'm like, yeah. And it's always a picture of me like yelling super loud or like a bunch <laughs> of my face or something. I'm like, yeah. And they're always like, and at work, I'm like pretty quiet and I'm just like very polite, very nice, like very easy going. And then they see that and they're like, are you sure that's you? Like uh, they, they literally, <laughs> they can't imagine that I would be so outgoing, so like aggressive, so loud, like they just can't imagine it. And my mom used to be the same way. And it's just like, yeah, there's definitely like a different persona that comes forward, you know, when you're doing that kind of stuff. That, yeah. That has to be I I even feel though, like it being, you said outgoing, which I understand. I, I almost think, and you correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong for, for how you relate to it, but I almost feel like being outgoing in terms of like socially outgoing and, and being willing to like perform are two entirely different things. Oh, yeah. Cause yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah. Cause like, it, it's like, playing a show and like having people moving around and stuff. I almost feel like there's still a wall between me and what's happening. Yeah, you know, sure. it, it, I mean, it's gotta be surreal. I've never been in an experience where there's like people who like know all the words and are like singing and shit. Like, cause one, I don't have a record out and two, I haven't toured, but like, I just imagine that thinking fantasize about that in my future, like seeing what that would feel like, what that would be like. And I don't know. I, I'm wondering, cause I like asking bands that have kind of got a little taste of that. And I mean, what is that like when like the first time that happens when, because of every band starts, it's just like you and an idea, you know, like, what is it like the first time you kind of realize that like, it means something to somebody else? Is it like, I can imagine that almost being a little scary. Like you have like this weird responsibility yeah. almost. I think, um, so like, as far as like playing shows and having people like sing along and recognizing that like it meant enough to them where they know what I'm saying, um, like the first couple of shows that happened, like when we were first starting um, or like at our first EP release show, like there were tons of people who knew the words because we were like a tight knit community. And I remember being like, holy shit, this is crazy. This is fucking nuts. Like, this is what I've always wanted. And that is what I've always wanted. I've always wanted to be like the the front of a band and have people say my yelling my words back to me. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's always been like a surreal feeling. And now. Now it's unfortunate that I like it doesn't affect me as much. I wish it like made me feel as good as it used to. But now it's just yeah. like, kind of like we talked about with Nicki Minaj. Once you get to a certain <laughs> place, you still want more and more to a degree. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's it's a very warm experience. And it is the one thing that's probably kept me playing this music for as long as I have um, just for that payoff. And then I think most of the time when I can tell that people care the most is like after we're done playing, if they come up to our merch table and like, you can tell they want to talk to me or they want to talk to Gavin or whoever. Um, like that, that means a lot to me because they're like taking the time to like come over and say hi to me when I'm not like in like show mode and also yeah. they're about to spend money. So that's super sick. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, both are good, but yeah, no, it's like a super, great and surreal feeling but like it's one of those things that kind of sucks because at a certain point like you still appreciate it but you don't feel it as much as you did at first yeah diminishing returns you know yep yep. and and i think that's why uh you see a lot of bands not that everybody does this but like you know like substance abuse becomes like a huge thing for especially like the big rock stars you know is because like chasing the dragon you know like Mm -hmm. you you play like at a sold out theater or something like that. And then you all of a sudden you're just done and it's over. The show is over. But now it's just like, I need that. I need that feeling back. And it's like, you know, the closest thing you could think is uppers or something. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's such a, such a cliche, but you can understand why at least, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just hope that that never happens to me. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I, I think you can stay on the straight and narrow for yeah. the most part, luckily. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. But I think no, I think it's good now because like DIY is is so different. Like I I think like you don't see like I've talked to a therapist about this because like we you know we've talked about like well what what would you do if you became successful? How would you manage? Cuz I like to be like I'm not like a 
sober quote unquote person, but like I like to be fairly clean. Like I don't like to do drugs really, you know. I don't really I mean I'll drink here and there. I don't like to do that stuff, but you know, he was asking me like, "Well, how would you manage that?" And I just thought like, "Well, you know, you I understand you asking that question because you don't really know what this scene that I'm in is like, but there's not people doing coke on a coffee table. You know, it's not it's not the the eighties or the nineties even. <laughs> like yeah. It's not it's not like trashing hotel rooms anymore. Like the people who do that now would not be heralded as like cool. They'd be like, What the fuck is wrong with you? I <laughs> literally that's the vibe I get. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kinda like it that way. And I think our community is really is really good and and there's a consistency, I think. Like I think a band from Iowa can come to Michigan and vice versa and be in a basement playing a show and kind of feel like you could be anywhere yeah. type of thing. You know exactly. what I mean? But that in that sense, like I'm sure you've done a little bit of touring. You have said you have like, what are some of your uh, favorite places to play? And then after this, we'll get into the, um, the listener questions. Oh yeah. So as far as touring, yeah, we've toured a lot, honestly, within um, just like the realm of DIY bands that we're in. We've like, I will say that we've grinded harder than a lot of people. And that's something that I'm very proud of. Um, but at the same time, it's frustrating as shit because like, you know, it doesn't necessarily always return what you want it to. Um, but my favorite places to play. So Elgin, Illinois, it's like a Chicago suburb. We've always had like super good turnouts, super good merch sales, super fun shows there um, that I've always really enjoyed. Um, we played in Portland, Oregon on our tour with Origami Angel in 2019. And that was fucking insane. Like we were playing a pizza place and we got three songs in and then some dude threatened to burn the place down because we were too loud. Um, and so I was like, well, shit, that's not good. And then the person who ran the place was like, oh, you can play one more song. And everyone went just fucking berserk because it was our the only song we could play. Um, so that was cool. And then I always, I have to talk about this all the time when we toured in Japan, just that whole yeah. thing was really fucking sick. Like, like I'll never get over how cool that was. It was like the hardest tour we've ever done. Like the most challenging in a lot of ways, but it was really, really cool also. Yeah. I think I, um, that was one of the main questions that we had actually, um, yeah, so let's see. What was your okay? One of the questions was my buddy Kyle Minch, who actually runs that DIY venue that I was telling you about. Um, but he wanted to know, like, he had a few questions, but what was your favorite show on the Japan tour and why? That's a good question. Um, so I think our last show was in Yokohama. I don't totally remember where it was, it's like a blur half the time, but our last show. I had a lot of fun. It was really fun, really good turnout. Um, and that was the show when we kind of finally hit our groove, unfortunately. Like, usually on tour, we'll play for like a couple days. And then by the third day, we're like, good. We're like playing yeah. really well. Um, when you are on the other side of the world and you are jet lagged and you're on an opposite sleeping schedule and you're playing with different gear that's not your own, it's very hard to get in that groove. Um, so like I've watched videos of the first few shows and like we played well, like, but I didn't feel good about it. Um, but that last show I felt really good. It just felt like a good stars hollow set. And so I really yeah. liked that one. And how did, how did you like, was just playing in Japan something you always wanted to do. So you specifically pinpointed that, like, how did that even come about? Like, how do you like logistically without going into an hour long, you know what I mean? But like, how, yeah. how do you make that happen even? Yeah, so so I've, I have wanted to go to Japan forever. Just even like personally, I've wanted to go like for years. Um, but as far as this goes, we just received an email one day from um, the person who booked the tour for us. His name's Casey K. Um, and he just sent this long email just being like, you know, I care about your band. I book shows here. Like, and at first, of course, I'm reading this. I'm like, okay, this is bullshit. Like, it's some yeah. bullshit us. Like, I'm just, I've just been through this shit enough. I know. Um, but then he's like, oh, I booked these tours and these tours. And I would watch, like, I went and watched all the videos from them and stuff. And they had good turnouts. Like, you could verify that he knows the people. Um, and so, yeah, I brought it to the band. And we were like, well, why the fuck wouldn't we do it? Because, like, all we had to pay for was our plane tickets. Everything else was pretty much covered. Um, 
so yeah, it was, so it was definitely like very, very fortunate luck in a way, just because like he reached out, I saw it and I believed him and you know, it's, uh, it was cool. Definitely no work on my end though. Literally like I did zero work as far as that goes. What about like getting there with your gear and stuff? Did you like borrow stuff like borrow amps and things like that? Yeah. So, um, so Japan is really interesting in the way sense that every venue you go to has a backline of everything already provided and you're expected to use that. You're not expected to use your own gear. Um, oh, wow. so, when, so when we showed up to a show, there would always be a drum kit already set up two amps already set up and a bass rig already set up. And everyone is just supposed to plug in and play. Um, <laughs> and it like, and it's one of those things, you know, you bring your own paddleboard, you bring your own guitar, but it's still, yeah. like, it's still a bit of a whirlwind to go from like, Oh, tonight I'm going to play through a Vox AC 30. And then this night I'm going to yeah. Marshall JVM. Like it's, it, it definitely makes it hard to dial in your tone. Um, and then on that tour, yeah, we didn't bring much of anything besides guitar, pedal board. Andrew brought his cymbals and then merch. That was pretty much all that we brought. Um, yeah, that was all we were really comfortable bringing. I didn't bring a guitar. Gavin did, I should say, because um, I was a big baby and I was like, they're going to they're going to take it. It's not going to be good. Yeah, so I had to borrow Casey K's guitar, which like, I don't know if you've ever had to play a whole tour or a bunch of shows with someone else's guitar that's not... Couldn't do it. Yeah, and especially when Couldn't it's not it. as well taken care of as yours is. Like, Yeah, hey, I may be the shit out of my guitars, dude. Yeah. I couldn't and do it. Yeah, it was it was rough um, at first. But yeah, I mean, it was fortunate in the sense that, yeah, Japan, just its infrastructure as far as shows go was like built for that situation. So it's cool. It, it, and did you get take some time to just enjoy Japan as well? Um, a little bit. We um, we had like the first day that we got there. So we arrived, found our Airbnb, and then um, the next whole day we were like free. And so we went to this place called Team Labs Borderless, which we took a bunch of promos in. It just has like a ton of really cool visual lighting stuff. It's really cool. Um, and then we went, went and saw uh, Akiba, which is like the like anime part of Tokyo. Um, so yeah, we took some time to see some things, but it really wasn't nearly enough time. Unfortunately, like I would have loved to have seen like 10 times as much as what we did, but right. But yeah, it was, it was a very grueling, like let's go kind of tour. So, uh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's so sweet though. Like I've only been overseas once I went to China actually for a study abroad and yeah, I was in Beijing for like three and a half weeks. That was about all I could take away from home, to be honest. But like, I would have loved to play music, you know, yeah. like I feel like a lot of times Asian countries or the, the culture gets this reputation in the Western world as being like all work, no play. And seeing it over there, seeing the way people our age like get down, it's like, no, like it's work hard, play hard type of thing. Like they fucking get down over there. Like it's not. Yeah, they might work 16 hour days, but then they spend the other eight partying like it's it's not what people think. And I think, it, you know, I'm sure you experience that, you know, and it's yeah, just yeah. it's it's just cool to like have positive culture shock, too, and just to like be yeah, somewhere exactly. else. And, and, you know, um, but yeah, dude, I think that's that uh, that about kind of sums it up. Like I said, I, I mean, I appreciate you have you coming on and everything. Yeah. Um, hell yeah. Hopefully we'll get to have you through one of these times, maybe play a gig together or something. That's always the best. Um, but yeah, I mean, for now, I guess just like, if you want to just like plug where people can find like your band, your video, music, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so pretty, most of our social media is just like stars, hollow, I a like for stars, hollow, Iowa. Um, that's where you can find most stuff on Spotify. We have everything on there, everything on everything else. So yeah, that's pretty much it. There's really not a whole lot to plug. Um, Acrobat Unstable is our label and they have a YouTube channel and like Bandcamp and everything. So um, look them up because they have like a lot of really good bands on the roster besides us. Sweet. Um, yeah. So yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, I've spent like the whole last two days moving and shit. And honestly, this yeah. is a nice, nice break from doing that. So Good, dude. Yeah. I tell all the bands it's an open invite whenever you got something to promote or plug or if you just feel like having a conversation, just hit me up because I always I like having return guests and then just kind of kind of get updates on where they've been since, you know. Oh, yeah.
So absolutely. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, yeah, I'll let you know when this is out. There's like a there's a list. I mean, there's a line of mm-hmm. episodes I got to get out first. But yeah, I'll hit you up. I'll let you know when this is out and stuff. Hell yeah. Sounds good, dude. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, dude. You take it easy. You too. See ya. Later. So that's it. That was the episode with Stars Hollow, dude. Um, be sure to follow them on social media. Follow the podcast on social media. And stay tuned for more episodes. I don't I don't know how regularly I'm going to be putting episodes out. Because um, I am still kind of in break mode in my head. But um, I just wanted to put this out because... It, I don't. I honestly can't tell you why. I just the mood struck. I'm putting it out, and um, I'm gonna just. I'm not gonna be as consistent. I think, but I'm gonna be consistent in the in the sense that I'm gonna keep putting episodes out. It just might not be every week. Um, but I just just follow the Instagram and and stay tuned. And whenever there is an episode, you'll be notified. Um, and thank you for listening so much. All right, bye.